We begin with a reading from Exodus. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. Then God said, Come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. God said further, I am the God of your father, you're the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then God said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of the taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. Now go, I am sending you to the Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this shall be a sign for you, that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. God said further, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. Courage comes not from something outside of ourselves, but from within. We learn to be courageous when we trust God's love, a love that knows no bounds. Let us sing, Come Down, O Love Divine, together. Please rise. We'll hear a sermon first. Oh, sorry. And sing. That's all sorry. right. Sorry. Got the wrong cue. <laughs> we all just want to get out of here so we can watch the Super Bowl. Thank you, Joan. When our reading this morning, we find Moses. He's just kind of going about his business. He's tending his flock, and it probably would have been like any other day, or any other day like ours. We get up, we get ready, we scarf down a bowl of cereal and a cup of coffee, we rush out the door. And it's on one of 
those days, a day like any other, when something incredible happens to Moses. Moses encounters a burning bush, vegetation that will not be consumed by fire. It must have been an incredible sight. Most of us have probably heard this story of Moses' encounter with God before, and as I was thinking about this miracle that God brings to Moses, I, I found myself thinking, you know, hey, I wouldn't mind my own burning bush miracle sometimes, my own sign in the wilderness that God is with me, that God is going to help me. This is what Moses experiences, a reminder that God is with him and is on his side. It's not hard to imagine these days that we too are in a wilderness of sorts. Many of us are overwhelmed by the uncertainty of the world, with the inconceivable loss of life in Turkey and Syria, with a political system in our own country that seems broken and ineffective, with bills proposed in our own state legislature that would harm our LGBTQIA siblings, and on and on. <clears throat> If I'm honest, there are times when I want to disconnect from all of it, to turn off my phone and just crawl into bed. A day like any other. Where have those days gone, anyway? I wonder about Moses. What if his day had been different? What if Moses hadn't gone in the direction of Horeb after all? What if Mount Sinai was not his destination that day. Maybe the flocks drove him in a different direction, nowhere near this burning bush. Moses may never have had the opportunity to have this life-changing moment, and he may have thought, where is God in these trying times? When will God show up? I think about it like this because I have to admit that there are some moments in my life when I wonder whether I might have missed God along the way. Perhaps there are moments in your own life too where you wonder, is God really with me? Did I take a wrong direction somewhere? Maybe I made a mistake and, and I'm not on the right path anymore? I want to have a life where I feel God's presence and I don't. And So maybe at times you might wonder, where is God? These days, in fact, I think we might all be asking that question. Where is God when so much human pain surrounds us? When it is difficult these days to hear any good news at all? To even know what the news really is, right? To be able to tell fact from fiction. Where is God when we have been conditioned to take Sides to live partisan, to never cross the aisle, to view our neighbors who think differently than we do as our enemies. Where is God when we are uncertain what the next day or the next month or the next year will bring? But here's Moses, right? He's just working in the fields. He's doing his thing. And God finds him right where he is. You see, Moses is right where he needs to be to experience God's presence, to know God is in his midst, to know God is with him. And it's in this wild space, this wilderness, that a light shines. 
Moses was wandering, right? He wasn't on any particular path going where his flocks would send him. And yet, as he was moving, as he was going about his regular day, the light shines. And it's a light that shines for us even in the moments when we feel like we are lost in the wilderness. Moments when we feel overwhelmed or uncertain or anxious or afraid. God finds a way to find us. And this is a pretty big deal because if God is with us right now in this moment, then the place where you are standing or sitting really is holy ground. Our lives are lived on holy ground. Wherever you walk, you are on holy ground. No matter where you head in life, no matter what you've done or not done, said or not said, whatever mistakes you've made, wherever you are on life's journey, no matter what you have been through the last six months or six years or 60 years, you are on holy ground. No matter the pain or the suffering, you live on holy ground. No matter the sins or the mistakes, you belong here on holy ground. I want us to take a moment right now. Just take a deep breath. Breathe deeply and know that you belong. Take a deep breath in gratitude for this moment. Knowing God is right here with you. May we never forget that our feet are planted on holy ground. And as we walk, as we move along the path of our life's journey, we take God with us in the midst of these challenging times. We take God with us in our striving for justice and peace. We take God with us as we work to include others, as we live out the gospel in the way that we see Jesus living it out. After the experience of seeing the light of God's presence, Moses puts his sandals back on. And after this moment, Moses is changed. After this moment, Moses returns to Egypt and he frees his people from bondage. Moses understands that he is part of God's bigger story. And Moses also understands that he is not alone. And we are not alone either. See, there is nowhere that you can go that isn't holy ground. And if you see somewhere out there a place that doesn't look like holy ground, if you see suffering or insecurity or pain or sadness, if you see a neighbor in need, we can have the strength to do what Moses did, to take the next step forward, to make the world a more holy world a more God-filled world. You know, but this takes courage. This takes risk. This takes a leap of faith. But it's worth it. When we begin to realize that there's nothing that separates us from God, nothing that separates us from one another, we remember that wherever we are, God is with us. And wherever we are, we can be a blessing to this world. We are called to make 
a difference. We might not be called to save a civilization or to end human suffering, but we are called to do our part. We're called to be a blessing. And I imagine all of us can think of at least one thing we can do to be that blessing to this world. And so this is my challenge to each of you as I wrap up my portion of our series on blessings. How will you be a blessing bringer? As you think about that today and in the days to come, I invite you to have courage. Know that you are standing on holy ground. And God is with you. I'd like to end by sharing with you this blessing of courage by the poet Jan Richardson. It's a reminder that courage doesn't always roar like a lion. Sometimes it's just the sound of your feet moving forward, step by step by step. Jan writes, I cannot say where it lives, only that it comes to the heart that is open, to the heart that asks, to the heart that does not turn away. It can take practice, days of tugging at what keeps us bound, seasons of pushing against what keeps our dreams small. When it arrives, it might surprise you by how quiet it is how it moves with such grace for possessing such power. But you will know it by the strength that rises from within you to meet it, by the release of the knot in the center of your chest that suddenly lets go. You will recognize it by how still your fear becomes as it loosens its grip, perhaps never quite leaving you but calmly turning into joy as you enter the life that is finally your own. And this is my prayer. Let courage come. Amen.